Good morning, LCM. Wow, you can say good morning and it be just a greeting, but it's also a declaration, man. This has already been a good morning. Today is Sunday, January 20th, 2019. We're continuing our Band of Survivors series with today's sermon entitled Band of Brothers. Turn to your neighbor and say Band of Brothers. Let's turn to Hebrews 11 and verse 40 so we can start this week where we ended last week. Hebrews 11, 40. Make sure that you say there when you are there. It says this, God had planned something better for us. Well, don't you love God's plans? They're always better for us than you can imagine. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. Obviously, you know the context of this passage. We're in Hebrews 11, the, the faith hall of fame. Mighty men and women of God who did things that were so legendary, they had to be recorded in a special place in our Bible. But not so legendary that we're not supposed to be going after the exact same things in our lives. This is the community that God accepts. Those who are an actual band of survivors. This has been going on since the beginning. The Lord will perfect these saints of old who persevered in our band of survivors at the same moment that he perfects us who are counted worthy to be included in that band of survivors. Like them, we share certain characteristics and we want to look at them right now. Look back a few verses to Hebrews 11 and verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Saints, are we a band of survivors? Yes. That means that you are becoming a standard for everyone to see. They administer justice. It is our goal. It is what God is doing in us to help others with righteous perspectives. And they gained what was promised. This represents faithfulness and steadfastness as a part of the band of survivors. They shut the mouths of of lions. Our take on that is that we must silence lies and rumors. You know, sometimes those lies and rumors feel like it's as, as, as daunting as a lion if you're in the pastorship. You can see how much damage they do just like a lion would do, and we're going to shut their mouths. Amen. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Tell me now. I was waiting for it. The next one, quench the fury of the flames. Come on, sometimes we can be in a situation where there is torrential anger around us, but the Spirit of God inside of you as a band of survivors it will calm that anger around you. Yeah, and it will settle their hearts in order to hear the life-giving gospel that will come out of your mouth. Amen. They also escape the edge of the sword. We are going to be a group of people, this band of survivors, who are becoming a band of brothers. We're not going to be those who are easily offended. We've dealt a lot with that this year. I don't think there's ever been a year in my life where offense was the, the main topic of my prayers and my thoughts for my friends here at this church like this past year has been. We're going to continue to fight with the edge of the sword so that we will not be offended. Not a one, not a man, not a woman, not a child in this room is going to fall to offense in Jesus' name. Come on, whose weaknesses was turned to strength. This past year we have watched how God is resurrecting us out of our weaknesses. And we're able to find the good and cause it to prevail in every situation. When we're celebrating this morning, another child coming to LCM. We kicked off the year with twins coming to LCM. Church has our weaknesses been turned to strength. Yes. 
Amen. Amen. Who became powerful in battle. We're going to war in prayer for others. And who routed foreign armies. The ultimate prevailing against all odds. Amen. That's the defining characteristics of the band of survivors. Amen. Come on, let's go to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. Say there when you're there. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend. Everybody say friend. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. What a beautiful and powerful word this is. Don't you like it when sometimes someone just says directly what needs to be said? Come on, look to your neighbor and say, hello, friend. Look to your other neighbor and say, hello, brother. (laughs) Come on, a friend is defined here as loving at all times. You know, when the sun's out, birds are chirping, life is great, you've been in the presence of God, it's easy to have friendship. But the next line in that is the defining element. The whole purpose of brothers is that they are born for and born within adversity. Yeah. Let's take a little bit uh, further look at the word brother. Yeah, take a look at the slide that we have here for you. We haven't done a paleo Hebrew in a while. Yeah, we're going to throw out a paleo on you. The, brother, the word for brother in the Hebrew is? Ach. You know you all want to say it. Try it again. Okay. It's an aleph and a chet. The aleph is a strong leader. It's strong. A chet is supposed to be a tent wall. It's something like a fence or a border around it. So when we look at this, the very lettering in the Hebrew can give us a picture. Just something that we use to kind of help us out along the way to get a better understanding. What is a brother? A brother is the one who can build a strong fence or border around you. Boy, doesn't that make it, that sounds like a really good definition of a brother. Someone who will stand with you and make sure that no uh, ill will, that no bad things enter into where your home, to where you live, to where your family is. This is a brother. Brother is one who acts in a way to be strong, a strong fence or border for you and what God has given you. Can't be a brother if you're only focused on yourself. No. You're a brother when you're starting to help and build a fence for someone else. Brothers help you fight the adversity that is all around. Well, let's take a look at the word adversity. Put the next slide. This word is sara. It can mean tightness, trouble, or adversity. And what the stem root of this word comes from is meaning to narrow. I distinctly remember a time whenever Pastor Eric had joined into full-time ministry. Now, granted, we've always been in full-time ministry. Every Christian's in full-time ministry. But he had let go of his secular job and fully depended on God to carry him through in ministry. And I remember seeing him sometimes, and he said there was this unexplainable weight, this tightness in his chest, that no amount of rest, no amount of ease would ever be relinquished. Well, the day that I stepped into full-time ministry, and then later the day that Pastor Wade came on board and stepped on full-time ministry, we were all three experiencing this tightness of chest, this weight upon us, and this ever-present sense of trouble. I can tell you that that was the moment that we became brothers. We became the Ah. Amen. I had no idea that that was part of the vernacular of my brothers. They, they, they are open and share everything with me. And it just never came up in conversation. And when we first got here, I was like, 
It feels like I'm at the bottom of a really, really deep pool all the time. <laughs> yes. Just like this constant yes. pressure all around, but especially like an elephant sitting on my chest. And Pastor Eric and Pastor Matthew just laughed. They, I mean, they, I was like, did I say something funny? <laughs> and they were like, it's funny, like, yeah, we completely understand. It's that brothers are born for and in adversity. When you're with someone else who's been fighting as hard as you, you are, you start realizing there's a camaraderie there that's kind of special. Amen. Come on, this adversity is supposed to push us to join the battle with our brothers. Yeah. Amen. When you begin to feel that weight that they're feeling, you know that you have established a brotherhood. The truth is, is that this church has been born with this idea that brothers are born in adversity. I mean, think about sayings like, I'm going to die for my brother's vision. Yeah. Well, those, those are just sayings now, but if you're not careful, if you're not, if you're newer here, if you're one of our lighthouse folks that are here today, you, what you might do is not understand how important that phrase is to us. It's summarized in a phrase, but that costs us a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to earn that phrase. Do y'all know what I'm saying? To earn a phrase, you, what it costs you to get that revelation that you can now say in a sentence, to die for my brother's vision. We're looking to fight the myopic trappings of most people that we've ever met. We want to die for someone else's vision. What else, Pastor? The phrase that Pastor Wade just mentioned came to Pastor Eric in 2006 at a men's retreat. Simultaneously, the Lord spoke to me, I need my brothers and my brothers need me. I had no idea for my own personal life what God was going to do to plow my heart, what he was going to do to harrow my heart. He was going to refine my toxic independence and make sure that there was enough adversity in my life that these brothers and all of you guys would become as closely knit to me as other characters we see in the Bible. Come on, anybody here uh, had uh, one of the church members help you move? Anybody ever been moved by this church? Yeah, if we could actually raise, if the, all the people that we've helped outside of the church could raise their hand now, it would dwarf, it would dwarf the amount that we have here. Anybody ever been healed? Somebody been laid hands on, had a healing, oh, yeah. an actual divine healing here? Anybody ever been in a hospital and somebody visited you there in the hospital? Yeah, these are the adversities that we're actually born for. This is what we were created to do, the idea that this is why we are here, and this is part of what helped form the church. Amen. There's also been sacrificial living. In the form of giving up property, selling homes, selling cars, selling possessions. I remember one garage sale we had. Everybody bought all the good stuff out of their house for an LCM garage sale. It helped fund missions uh, for the next two or three months. And then also you guys have gone to the extent of leaving the prestige of this world. Leaving the conformity of this world. You know, the American dream says you must go and perform this structure, achieve this level of success, and then you will be happy. Then you'll be adversity free. Saints, we don't live to be adversity free. We live to be brothers of the most high. Yeah. How many, how many pieces of furniture have been sold here at this church to help go on missions? How many belongings have you given up? How many guns have been sold for you gun owners? How many, yeah. how many you, you, you end up walking in a house and be like, hey, I thought you had an end table there. Yep. <laughs> Africa was calling. <laughs> India was calling. Amen. You know, some, somebody else's need was calling and we had already given everything we had. So let's just figure out how to give more because that makes us a band of brothers. Amen. You know, in that exercise of being sacrificial with the very things that we possess, you know what the ultimate sacrifice for this church is? Sending out our best to the nations. Yeah, amen. 
Come on, we sent out the Vincents. We sent out the Brassos. We will send out the Swan team in the name of Jesus. And there will be many more that we will sacrificially lay at the feet of the Lord and say, Jesus, we're giving you our best because we're brothers. Now, you may not realize how much of a sacrifice that is for a pastoral staff or a church to send their very best. You're sending those who are making the strongest disciples. You're sending those who are so faithful in their giving the tithe of 10% is the least that they give. Yeah. It takes, you're sending people who have become your friends and they've become your brothers. You're sending those out to say, we see that God is upon you and we want to bless you and help you to go. Don't think that's not a sacrifice. If you've never felt the sacrifice, perhaps uh, you're, not, <laughs> we're, you're not feeling the friendship that we're hoping that you will with every person that's here. True. Let's continue to look at the word. Let's allow the word to help develop our perspective on what it's like to become a band of brothers. Amen. Amen. Let's all turn to Hebrews chapter two, Hebrews chapter two and verse 10. It's easy to call somebody your brother. Actually, people get us confused all the time. They look at me and say, pastor Wade. And I just, I wait. And usually they look back up and they, Oh, y'all must be brothers. Yes. Yes, we are. Yeah, most restaurants that we go to, they're like, oh, are you brothers? Yes. <laughs> as long as our wives don't confuse anything, then we're good. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. It says... Awkward. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I mean that one would walk up behind you and hug you and not know that get, get the wrong husband. That's all I mean. Yep. It's not helping that I'm talking now, is it? <laughs> nope. Read the word. Read the word. We're just going to we're gonna read the Bible now. Just keep swimming. Just keep reading. Here we go. Hebrews 2.10. In bringing many sons to glory. Everybody say glory. Glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should, be, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. suffering. Both the one who makes men holy, say holy, holy, and those who are made holy are of the same family. Say family, family. And listen to this last sentence. Let it soak into your heart here for just a moment. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. You want to know how to become a brother, part of a band of brothers that Jesus himself is unashamed of. The truth is, is that's the only kind of brother that you can become in the kingdom. Is you see this, if you'll put the slide up there for us, I want us to see this. A band of brothers is made by, by going and working every moment that you have for the glory of God. By sharing in the sufferings that are there to make you perfect, just like our Savior was made perfect. That you would have a holiness within. Come on, somebody say holiness. Holiness. That you would have the right kind of family loyalty. If you haven't been here in a few weeks, you need to go back and check out the double-edged family sword to find out the kind of family that we're actually talking about here. That you end with an unashamed love and an unashamed brotherhood that Jesus himself, the risen Savior, is unashamed to call you, not just part of the family, but a brother who's been born for adversity. Amen. That's an incredible Thought. Let's talk about glory of God for a second. We're not talking about those who are fighting for their own glory. And that's an easy statement to say to a church like this. 
We know we're not supposed to be fighting for our own glory. Are you still fighting for your own glory? I don't know, Pastor. I hadn't really thought about it. I, I presume that this was something that I had already succeeded in and can move on from. Thankfully, the Lord shared a word with us this morning that said those things that you think are in the past that you're developed beyond, you should consider again. As your pastor, let me charge you. Let me command you today to consider whose glory you're fighting for in every situation. How do you know if you're not fighting for God's glory? How do you know if you're fighting for your own glory? What happens when someone tries to correct you? How much does it rise up within you? How easy is it for you to look at someone else and presume the worst in them while presuming the best in yourself? Are you fighting for your glory? Because this kind of progression to get to a band of brothers is demanding that the only thing that we think of, the only thing that we care about, what we measure every action, what we measure every motive against is whether we are fighting for the glory of God. That our only motivation is that. Whether through life or death, through daily operation or over the course of a lifetime of faithfulness that is produced for the glory of God. Um, Joy, would you put up on the screen 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. When you're fighting only for the glory of God, you see something. Here it says this, Joab said, if the Arameans are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to your rescue. Next verse. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and for the cities of God. Are they trying to do that just so they don't feel bad about themselves? So they don't just find failure and be like, I just don't want to be embarrassed. Golly, I can still remember as a young man, as a, as a teenager. Okay, maybe it's not as far back as all that. Feeling embarrassed about things that happen. Saying the wrong thing and feeling it wash over your face. Just, you could feel it just coming over you. Tingling just a little bit going, I am so embarrassed right now. You know what that? Let me know every time I feel that way. Perhaps I'm still fighting for my own glory. If I've laid down my life for him, if I've laid down my reputation, the poor man can hear no threats. The dead man can feel no shame. What I want to do is be fighting like this for the glory of other people and for the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Boy, these are men that are trusting. They're asking for brothers' help, but they're fighting for God's glory. There's a, a quote from the Pirkei vote that I'd like to share with you today. It says this, if I am not for myself, who will be? If I am only for myself, what am I? If not now, then when? Now we pulled that from the Pirkei vote just to be a blessing to you this morning. And I'm surprised even as I'm reading it, how much it aligns with the words that God was saying. If not now, then when? There's a time to plow. There's a time to have your heart harrowed. There's a time for this. And it seems like the Lord is saying yes. And the truth is, is you can get wearied from the idea of how long do I just keep doing this? You keep doing it until he tells you something different. You keep working that. You are constantly trying to fight for his glory. And apparently the Lord is sharing with this body of believers. If not now, when? What a beautiful thought for us to continue to fight for the glory of God. You know, one additional thought to that is one of the proudest moments I have as a pastor of you guys. 
is when I hear undetected to the pastors being in your proximity, one brother praising another about another brother's message. Saying how much they were edified, encouraged, challenged, built up. And that in that effort to give a word, the glory of God is being displayed in your brothers without you even knowing it. That makes me incredibly proud of this church. To see you guys selflessly wash each other with the word and expecting no praise in return. But yet we're all seeing the righteous fruit as a result of that glory for God. The second thing, sharing suffering. Brothers are born in or for adversity. Our Savior was perfected through suffering, and so are we. When you join in suffering with others, you are on the pathway of being a part of tried and true band of brothers. Come on, I'll ask a rhetorical question, and I want you to raise your hands. Who in this room has ever suffered? Yes, amen. You have the opportunity, and when you make your lives transparent, to let brothers join you in that suffering. And as a result, you will find the aid and help from God that you're looking for, sometimes independently. How many times have I been down to the altar, or maybe just driving in my car, and I'm struggling with an overwhelming feeling of fear? And I'm trying to shake it off. I'm reading the word but I'm actually denying the opportunity for my brothers to be used by God to free me in that adversity, to strengthen me in that adversity. And God will keep working the soil over and over and over until those clods of your heart are broken into fine pieces that then the truth of his word can be planted in and it raises up a harvest of righteousness. Let's pull up Ephesians chapter 3 verse 13. See how Paul communicated this. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Let me read that again because I'm easily confused. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for who? Which are your glory. Come on, the lives that we are to lead that exemplifies the glory of God is one where we are suffering on others' behalf and is to their glory, not to our glory. It is to theirs. And the thing about those times when someone has come to help you move or they have sacrificially laid down a possession in order that the will of God may further advance in your life, that they are suffering and it is to your glory before God to do what Jesus called you to do because they sacrificed on your behalf. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1.8. There. Don't be ashamed. I'm sorry. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, say that next word. Join. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I need my brothers and my brothers need me. I need to join their suffering. And you know what? Here's where the part where pride is absolutely crushed. I need them to join with me in my suffering. You know one of the greatest lies the devil will tell you? You know what? If you say that, you'll just be a burden to them. You know, I walked by and I saw Pastor Wade's face and he looked really heavy. I didn't want to tell him about what I'm struggling with. So I'm going to wrestle with it for another three months and continue to slide downhill until it's an utter disaster. Come on, how many things would we spare our lives of 
if we just shared our sufferings with our brothers and asking them to join us in it. We would find that rescue. We would find that deliverance and that freedom and power that God is trying to give us. You know, some of us have trouble asking for help. Whether you're men, male or female in the room, you have trouble asking for help. You need a brother, but you don't want to ask. You know, the other side of that coin is, is that you want a brother, but you won't be a brother. Mm. You, you're needing and, 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 and desiring for someone to come and jump in and help you. But when you see the thing, when you see their need, you, you're able to walk wow. and just distance yourself enough. Both sides of this, whichever side of this coin that you're on. If you're too prideful to ask for a brother, shame on you. Stop doing that. Ask for your brothers. If you're too selfish to be a brother, repent today and become a brother in this house. Amen. Amen. See, the Lord has given us a vision as a church. Started with my friends a long time ago. I've been so privileged to become one of my brothers. I'm not separate from my brothers. I've become one of them. Amen. And what we want you to do is to become one of us. The vision that God has for this church is far bigger than any three men in their entire lifetime can get to. Yeah. You know, we have desires to send a hundred families to the Middle East. We don't have a hundred families in the church right now. How much do you think that we need you to be our brother? Everything. You know, I, I'm, my son, I'm so proud of my son. He's 18 now. You know, I've been working on it for a long time, knowing that I'm not raising a child, I'm raising a man. And in light of today's sermon, I was thinking about it, then going, I'm not just trying to raise a man, I'm actually trying to raise a brother. I'm a father who has a son whose goal is to raise a brother. Come stand right beside me. Let's fight together. I'm no longer over you. You're no longer under me, but we are together and we are answering God's call together because we need each other. Amen. Come on now, that's, that's something that should start to get down in your spirit. You want us to accomplish a year of prosperity? You know how we're going to do it? It's not going to be solely from the three men that you see before you. It's not going to be from the, our elders, oh, the, just us five and no more. I can assure you that every one of us, every one of us is needed, plus those that God needs to add to us. Amen. But how are we going to do that? Let's take a look at the next step. We see glorifying God in everything that we do. We see sharing in the sufferings, and then we have to have holiness within. That's an incredible thought. What are these goals though, to try to glorify the Lord, to try to share in suffering? If you have no holiness without holiness, you can't see God without holiness. No one can remain as a true brother. Anyway, holiness within your thoughts, making sure that there is not a seed of offense anywhere in you. Well, it's one thing to get offended when someone does something to you. The enemy's been trying to work us over long enough that we get offended now at each other on someone else's behalf. It didn't even happen to me and I can get offended at it. I heard this happen to JJ. I'm personally offended. I love my brother. How? No, no, no. We're going to have a holiness of heart that says a holiness of thought that doesn't allow offense. We're going to have a holiness of heart that says there is no sin that's acceptable to us. No amount of fighting for our own glory that we will allow to remain in our hearts, within your actions, within your body. This is showing that we are receiving the true grace, that power to say no to sin. It's showing that First John is in fact true, that everyone born of God overcomes the whole world. Let's put on the screen Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. 
It says this, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. Therefore. Holy brothers and sisters. Wow. That's what we want to be able to call each other and it be a truthful statement. Come on, mighty man of God. Come on, brother. Let's do this together. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. I just thought about this in two separate ways. You will fix your thoughts as they are upon Jesus. And you are to fix your thoughts upon him. Whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. The one that has gone before us. This is an important piece of this. We're fighting for the glory of God. We're going to share in the sufferings together. We're going to have holiness within. Amen. Holiness is the mechanism in which we're able to have unity within the body of Christ. We're able to have unity with the King of Kings. Well, what's the result then? The next step. I mean, think through the processes. There's glory for God. There's a shared suffering. There's a, a search and a hunger for holiness within. There is then family loyalty. What does it look like whenever we have gotten all of our hearts right? That we are striving for what God is after. And there is holiness in this church. Don't you experience immediately after there is such a powerful level of unity and more importantly a familial loyalty between us that the lies of the enemy cannot break at all? We don't have to look at each other like, you know, I really don't want you know, an outsider to meet so-and-so like my strange uncle at Thanksgiving. Just don't <laughs> sit next to them. Yeah, if you, don't, if you can't identify the strange uncle... maybe a variant of some other uncle but you know what i'm talking about this is the kind of church our church lcm where god is building family loyalty that you don't have to worry about an outsider coming in and being ashamed of what's happening here because you are so proud of what god is doing inside of here Let them sit next to the person that prophesies every time in tongues. Let them sit next to the person who worships with all their heart but sings way out of tune. But the presence of God still sits upon them. Amen, Justin. Whoa, yeah, got an amen over there. Come on, this is the kind of family that we can be proud of. Because this family was birthed solely for the glory of God. It has been tested through shared suffering. Weeding out those who aren't willing to stand this test verified by heavenly holiness within we can proudly display our family loyalty to those who are holding to the demands of the covenant let's pull up first kings 19 verse 21 so elisha left him and went back he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What Elisha saw was a family loyalty that was based on the preceding things that we've been going through. And he was willing to relinquish every bit of not only his possessions, but even his family ties and be a servant to the man of God because he saw that which was eternal and not just temporal. Let's go then on the screen to first Chronicles chapter 11 verse 18. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. These are three of David's mighty fighting men. And their attentiveness to David's desires was a deep family loyalty. That even at the mention of him saying, man, I'm thirsty. 
There's no water around here. Oh, we're going to run through our enemy's camp, risk our own lives, and bring back a cup of water so you can have it? Come on, that's the level of sacrifice and loyalty that the kingdom of God is established on. When you are just paying attention, not even involved in the conversation, but you overhear the need and slight desire of another, you are running through enemy lines to go get what will satisfy the hunger of your brothers. Amen. Hebrews 2.11 finishes with the phrase that so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Man, to have an unashamed brotherhood, an unashamed love that is shown from the heavens towards you. This is a beautiful phrase. Jesus will unashamedly call these, this type of person, a brother. Not just someone who proclaims it, the idea that someone can just say, yeah, I'm your brother. Come on, man. Have you, have you lived a life that's fighting for the glory of God? Have you shared in any type of suffering or at every point of suffering do you bow out? Mm. Are you like my kids sometimes when I need something done and I can't find them magically? We have uh, five teenagers upstairs in our house. It's amazing five, how quickly five teenagers can vanish. Like, oh, we're about to move something heavy. How is that every person in the house is now in the bathroom? <laughs> every teenage male is now in the bathroom. I don't even understand how this is possible. We don't have that many bathrooms here. What is going on? We've got to bring some adversity to those children. (laughs) (laughs) Are you willing to share in the suffering or do you run away at the first sign of it? Are you close enough to be there to be counted in the number but not actually engaging in what the pain is like? You know, like carrying a heavy object. You the guy who can let go of the heavy object and grab the door because you haven't really been pulling on it. You got a hand on it. It's heavy right here. It's, fu- it's funny when we're thinking about carrying something, right? Because we've all been there. We've all seen it or done it. Yeah. What do you just have your hands on here as a part of the church? That there's really no weight that's being carried. Are you being a brother with us? Are you fighting for holiness within? Are, are you working towards these things? Do you understand that God put you in a family? God put you here. There should be no thought. There should be nothing, no force on this earth that can make you leave. I was having trouble at the beginning of service. I was overwhelmed by our worship time. I was having a trouble to stop crying. <laughs> like, you guys know me. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly easy to cry. And I was just like overwhelmed by God's goodness to us. Yeah. Overwhelmed. It wasn't anything heavy as in negative. It was so joyous. I'm like, God, you put me in a family that I've always wanted to have. Yeah. You, you put me around people who can actually accomplish what God has called us to do. When, I, when we look at you, I don't look at you as congregants. I look at you as my family. This, this, there's, it's silly for me to think. I, it's a funny word. It, make, it makes us laugh. Your family. These are the kind of people. We want to be an entire group of people. Not some elite in the group and the rest of us are kind of close. Everyone in the room be the kind who Jesus can call a brother and be unashamed to do so. And I think of John 15, 13. There's no greater love than a man will lay down his life for his friend or his brother. This is what we should be doing. Let's look at some unashamed brothers here in the word of God. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 
And while you're turning there, I want to I want to set the stage for you. Boy, if you have been missing our Monday night foundations, it's exactly that you've been missing it. Boy, there's something special going on in our in our in our church, in our teachings, and especially in foundations. It's one of the favorite things that we do. I love it. David's just gone out. In chapter 17, he's gone out to the battlefield to engage with? Goliath. To engage with? Goliath. David's gone out to engage with Goliath, to battle, to defeat the one who is defying the very living God of all creation. As he's engaging in this battle, what's happening? His own brothers, his own natural brothers are doing what? They're forsaking him. Though my mother and my father are forsaking me, though my brothers in this case are forsaking me, attributing me with horrible motives, David is standing in righteousness. He is going over there and David is watching what's happening and cannot stand the disrespect that's going on. You know the story. David collects five stones, doesn't he? I can assure you that's not because he thought he would miss. (laughs) You one of those personalities, you have your backup, then you have the backup of the backup. Right? We gotta have, we gotta have some just in case. If you're not careful, those things, it's, it's one thing if you're backing up your hard drive, it's another thing if you're trying to back up your life and not actually fully commit to what's going on. It's an entirely another thing to be faithless and a coward and have to have something else. If your bank account isn't high enough, do you get, do you get all nervous? Do waves of, of anxiety wash over you when you don't have enough digits in the right place in your bank account? What happens if your kids are sick? Do you, do you have, do things start to wash over to you? Do you start getting anxious and nervous and, and, and start reacting the way that you shouldn't and you know you shouldn't, but you're excuse, you're excusing it because I'm under a lot of pressure. David wasn't planning on missing. He was planning on taking care of Goliath and any of his brothers. But you know, David, uh, David had to go this alone. His own natural brothers deserted him. David is such a great picture of Jesus. Even when the natural brothers deserted, Jesus was able to accomplish the task that was set before him. And there are some times in your life where you've had to go it alone, hadn't you? You've had to step out and be the lone ranger, the guy all by yourself, the lady all by yourself, and no one else was standing with you. If you've done that enough in your life, you start crying out to have brothers who will stand with you. David's such a great picture of Jesus because he did it when his brothers were turning his back on him. I think that you don't see any other time in David's life where he needed to get five stones, though. Because I think he was planning the whole time to make sure that he had the kind of brothers that we're talking about today. David developed a band of brothers from who? The, the indebted, the distressed, the discouraged, those who no one else wanted. He was like, I'll take those because we will walk through this process. We will make sure that we are living for the glory of God. We will suffer together. We will make sure that we are holy within and we will build a family and Jesus himself will call us brothers. Amen. A band of brothers. Come on. That's what we're developing in this place today. That idea of building unto himself. Those that became his brothers, mighty fighting men from the rabble, from those who were emptied of themselves. But as David was here on the battlefield, it's interesting because you go through the entire story of David and Goliath and then you get to chapter 18, verse one, and you realize that there was someone else in this story that just hadn't made an appearance till now. 
So here we see uh, chapter 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Come on, Jonathan, was he a weak guy? Was he a coward? So he was nothing like his father. No, he was a true warrior in his own right, experienced. And in the first part of this verse, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan was standing right there overhearing this conversation. I want to put something up and look at the Hebrew a little bit further about one in spirit. So this is an interlinear of the Hebrew of this text, and we start at the right-hand side and read to the left. That the soul, Jonathan, was knit with the soul of David. There, in that moment, under persecution, under Saul's wrath, Jonathan is witnessing the, the nature of David being displayed. And in that moment, his soul was knit together, bound together with David's. The complete Jewish Bible says it even better. By that time, David had finished speaking with Shaul. Yohanathan found himself inwardly drawn by David's character. So that Yohanathan loved him as he did himself. That this adversity that David was facing with Saul would be the very tool, the catalyst that would form a bond between David and Jonathan that is the standard for all of us to have. Yeah, man. I love being in this church for a lot of reasons, and one of them is because I see other men who I can inwardly be drawn to their character. Yeah. When I think about our elders, I'm both inwardly and outwardly drawn to their character. Yeah. I mean, just openly, I can see something that I need from them. I, I, I'm wanting to be counted worthy to be in a group of these men. This is, this is something that is incredible. You know, I was thinking back uh, this morning. Pastor Eric shared a message. I think it was in October of 2017. It was called Jarhead Covenant. Anybody remember the Jarhead Covenant? Oh, yeah. If you were here with us then? Moving us to have at least five people that we've become knit to. That in case of emergency, in case we start losing sight of what we're supposed to be doing, in case our, our perspective gets blurred or questioned or just flat out wrong, we have people who are not just allowed, but we are expecting them to respond in our lives. That we will open up the jar and pull out these names and say, if one of these five men say something to me, if one of my own brothers says something to me, I will listen to them before I listen to myself. I will, in this case, I will declare that I need my brothers and I need them to speak into me right here at this moment. Do you still have your names in your jars? Is your jar a little dusty? Have you left the names in the jar and went, wow, that was a fantastic message, Pastor. I'm still moved by it a year and a half later. We all remember the Jarhead Covenant. It's nice that you can remember it. Are you using it? Because if you're not using it, then what is the good of having a Jarhead Covenant? What's the good of having a band of brothers if you're not acting as a band of brothers? You're supposed to be acting upon these things. See, we think that when it really matters, we can kick things into gear. That's the way I used to think all the time. I remember as a young man, I didn't really study, but when it counts, I'm just going to kick it in gear and we're going to make it happen. Yeah, what an arrogant young man thing to think. 
the older I get, the more I realized, yeah, if I'm not working and preparing beforehand, I may not have what it takes in that moment. Far too many people are counting on me for me to just try to get up and wing things. I'll just fake it with you. Maybe they won't notice. Whether you notice or not is not the issue. You're my brothers and you deserve something different from me. What about you towards me? What do I deserve? What do we as pastors deserve? You want us to, you want us to be men that can be counted on. You want us to be solid brothers that no matter what, when it happens, you can call us in the middle of the night. You know what your pastors and elders will do? We will drop everything and run to your side. What about you? See, we're not interested in just having jarhead covenants to make ourselves feel better about it. To be able to say an answer that seems to be palatable to the masses. We are trying to develop people who will die for each other's visions. Amen. But pastor, I'm struggling just to figure out what my vision is. Yeah, man, that may be the part of the problem is that you're only focused on your vision. When you have a band of brothers, you know what brothers help you do? They help you find that out. Yeah. Brother, what do you do when you're fighting in a place that you don't need to be fighting? Come on over here beside me. We'll help you. We'll do this together. Boy, that's a very different spirit. You need to be thinking on these things. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 19. Say, there when you're there. This just so happens to be an accounting of young men who acted as a band of brothers and got it right. And discovered their purpose before the living God. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Everybody say, that's hot. That's hot. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers... So you got three young men that are going to be uh, tortured in a, in a furnace that's seven times as hot. Were these, with the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were they men of renown, strength, and, uh, and might? No. Nebuchadnezzar is pouring out his fury, and he grabs the strongest of his soldiers to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied. It's almost as if they were knit together in their souls. I'm sure any one of them at any point could have said, yep, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm not for this, I'm going to back out, see you guys later, I'm going to preserve my life. But the very fact that they allowed themselves to become subdued and firmly tied together demonstrated an inner character that displayed itself in an outward courage. They were tied up, bound together, knit together. Their adversity made them one of the most glowing examples of brothers in the entire Bible. They weren't seeking their own glory. They were seeking God's glory. They were faithful in sharing in each other's suffering. They proved to be holy within because the fire did not harm them. They didn't even smell like smoke. 
Come on, what's it like whenever we unify and we are firmly tied together with the deep convictions, the holiness of God, is that we don't even smell like death at all. It has no hold on us. Don't you know that they were unashamed of their brotherhood after this? Jesus was unashamed to call them brothers. Imagine what it was like when they got out of the furnace. Heads held high. They looked at each other, and this was a story that they told the rest of their lives to all their grandchildren, and they were immensely proud to call each other brothers. Amen. Turn to Numbers chapter 14 with us. Numbers chapter 14, a familiar passage. We're going to start in verse 36. Numbers 14 and 36. It says this, So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble. Wow, how would you like to have that as your moniker? These guys who made everyone else complain, uh, who the whole, made the whole community grumble against them by spreading a bad report. How important is it? Remember last week where we were talking about the, the dream that Pastor Justin Johnson had? The smoke that fills the room and those smoke that become fingers that plug the ears? Do you remember the point of that dream that we explained, explained to you last week was that Grumbling reports from a believer to another believer are much more potent and much more dangerous than even Satan himself speaking to us. Do you see how that is carried out here in this passage as well? These men responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. I'm remembering back to the, to the dream that it was flesh and blood that were coming out of the people's mouths because they were dying on the inside. They were being struck down. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. They're the only ones that remained alive and thrived to this. The passage before this demonstrates, and even in this passage, how many grumblers and complainers there were. What's the difference between grumbling and complaining? One is allowed to be external and one can only be internal. Whether you're saying it or not doesn't mean you're not in the category. You could be thinking it. You could be feeling it and be included in this kind of a category. Caleb and Joshua stood out. They survived because they were seeking God's glory. They were sharing in the suffering of what had to go on. They proved that they had an internal holiness that was keeping them afloat. They proved loyal to the true family of the faithful and were unashamed to have each other as brothers. Man, if you think of two men who were righteously tied together as brothers, Joshua and Caleb are going to be some of the first names that come into your mind in the entirety of the word. And they were not actual brothers. They were part of a band of brothers who do righteousness that Jesus claims as his own brother. Not only is LCM a place to find this kind of brother, where you can learn how to become a brother, learn how to be a brother, learn how to need a brother. Man, we're part of a one association of churches that's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. See, you guys don't see us. We are, we are a full contact Christianity kind of group. We will rebuke. We will love. We will chastise. We will tell someone exactly what we think and then walk up and hug them. Because you know what we are? We're a band of brothers. Amen. Amen. It demands that you be that. That's not just our take on it. Are you a brother if you're not contributing? You should stop and think about that. If you're only receiving, then have you really stepped in the fullness of being part of a band of brothers? 
war-tested, battle-hardened, ready to fight for the kingdom. That's the kind of brother that I want to have standing next to me. That's the kind of brothers that I want to have surrounding me. Man, you know, in a one association where it's here and you might call us and we'll be, we'll come to your house. We'll meet you at a hospital. We'll, we'll help you with a flat tire. In a one association, it looks like calling and watching Pastor Eric and Jen go across the country or across the world to minister to those who are ministering. To making sure that we're getting every church in a building of their own before we even think about ours. This is what it looks like for an association to do this. To support with, without question, without fail, every time. That's what it looks like to be a part of a band of brothers. Without question, without fail, and without reservation. Turn with us to Acts chapter 16. Come on, say there when you're there. So before we read Acts 16, I remember the day that the Lord began to speak to us about the one association. And our heart was that we did not want any of our brothers to have to do ministry or plant a church alone like we had, like we had to do. And in doing so, we're on track and on pace to see every other one association church get their church building before we get our church building. Come on, that's dying for your brother's vision. That's laying down your life. Let's look at here at Acts 16 and see how this looks like in Paul and Silas' life. Paul and Silas were attacked by a crowd, stripped, beaten, and thrown in the inner cell of jail and put in stocks. Come on, as a result of our brotherhood, we find that power of God through our unity, preaching the gospel. What this may look like in our lives is harassment from your family. It may look like harassment and persecution from co-workers. They see the presence of God in you and it convicts the soul within them. And want to put you in the confines of their words and their categories that they made for you. But about midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were giving or going for the glory for God. Well, how much easier does it make things whenever we are facing trials or adversity and we just lift up our heads and we begin to sing praises to the King of Kings. Even something as simple as, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I know I have failed many times in this. And God has let me go through it again and again until I get the impression deep in my soul. When you face adversity, lift your head with your brothers and begin to praise me. And watch, my power will come through for you regardless of the circumstance. And the other prisoners, those sharing in their suffering, were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Some of you in this building are born again and spirit filled because you witnessed the praise of other people during the times of their adversity. You had your chains broken off because of the manifest power of God on your heart in that moment. And you became a part of the band of brothers. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. This was a moment for him to demonstrate his holiness within. He could have just jetted. 
He could have just escaped and walked out. But the very man that God showed him in a dream before was now before him. And the holiness that Paul had within him helped him facilitate completing the task that God ordained. Amen. Turn with us to Revelation chapter 11. As you're turning there, think about the witnesses, the two witnesses that are here in the book of Revelation. In verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. Man, that's a serious deal right there. That's a serious set of brothers right there. Verse 6, these men have power to shut up the sky. You see throughout this time as we continue to read here in the next few verses, these men are almost sent like a pair of brothers from the heavens. They're sent down in this time period to show they live They minister, they die, and are resurrected together. And in in unity, what, what a picture of an unashamed brotherhood built on unashamed love. The Lord is giving a picture here. As we're going through these examples in the Word, you're seeing examples, uh, what we think are model examples of, of what brothers are like. And very few of them that we've given you are actually related to each other, but they find the band, the, the band of brothers that they're looking for. Man, you may be looking at us and going, hey, I wonder, you know, that's an interesting thing. You may look at a, a brother, a group of brothers that have been together for over 20 years. I've known my brother since 1998. They've known each other longer than that. When we think, when we start thinking through things, we realize that we were in the same places as early as 1996. Yeah. We were in the same groups of Bible studies and different things that would go on. I didn't even know it till maybe a few years ago. Pastor Matthew knew my brother and was over at my house one day when I wasn't there talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My actual brother. <laughs> this is crazy. We, we were around and circling around, but the idea is that, that the brothers are born for and in adversity. Yeah. We've been through difficult times together. What you see before us, there are people who are amazed sometimes at how we operate. They're like, we've just never seen anything like this. Yeah, we haven't either. (laughs) It's okay. We don't know what we're doing. No, we haven't seen it either. But the idea is that these things are born. I can trust my brother Matt. I can trust him. I trust him closer than my own family. Anything that I have is already his. I determined before he asked that he can have it. Amen. That idea of building this together is what we're building here at the church. I remember those early years. One thing that distinguished Wade then and still does now is that he always had integrity and impeccable character. That everybody that knew him was drawn to his his character. I would stand behind him as he led worship. And I never saw Wade step out to go get his own glory. I never saw him shirk his responsibility of suffering with other people. I always saw him commit to that family loyalty. And he was never ashamed to call me or to call Eric a brother. I couldn't be more proud than serve with you up here. Amen. You know, it's been funny, too, because what brothers really do is we want the best for each other. Amen. When we started out in ministry together when back in 1998, yeah. I was the worship leader and Pastor Matthew was a musician. You know what happened when we got here to this church? Pastor Matthew was the worship leader and I was a musician. 
And now we're standing together doing it. Amen. You know what? Real brothers don't care. They don't care who's standing in front. No. Well, you need me to stand back? I got you. I'll ride shotgun. No problem. Uh, you want me to sweep up? No problem. I'd love to. Because we're not defined by our place on the stage. We're defined by the brotherhood that God has given us. Amen. Amen. Come on now. That's what we're going towards here. See, they also haven't seen, they haven't seen the battles that we've been through together. And they haven't seen the battles that we've been through together. <laughs> No, he, no, the, he wins <laughs> the battle royals that go on in our own homes trying to say this is we've got to live at a higher standard. Yeah. It's not acceptable for me to do that. My brothers correct me. It's not acceptable for them to live below the standard. We correct. This is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. They also don't know about the satanic opposition that comes on a regular basis, trying to tear us down, trying to separate us. But maybe, you know, something about that because you're here as part of this church, you're trying to be a part of this band of brothers. We are not trying to make it for the elite. As a matter of fact, we continue to say, and we will continue to say our job is to make you better brothers than we've ever been yeah. right. able to do more than this brother. We want to be your older brother Amen. to help you to take all the hard knocks and allow you to be able to grow and flourish until there are the difficulties that you must encounter to build your strength. Amen. We want you to start off where we're ending. Yeah. We want to give you the things that took us 20 years to learn and you can learn it today. If you'll but evaluate it and take it in. We give it to you freely because we're developing a band of brothers. Let's look at just a few more quick examples before we close. Uh, Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. Say there when you're there. The king set out with his entire household following him. But he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king, and we won't reread that. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him along with all the Carathites and Pelathites, and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. Gath, does that sound familiar? It's related to a character we talked about earlier. It's where Goliath was from. Leaving from Absalom, they were the Gittites. And aren't they Philistines? Absolutely, they're the enemy's camp. Verse 19, the king said to Ittai the Gittite from the enemy's side, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. That sounds like a great welcome party. (laughs) You came only yesterday, and today I shall make you wander about with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. It's a nice little polite uh, exit. This wasn't about seniority, but about developing into a brother that Jesus would be proud of. See how Ittai replies. He replies to the king, as surely as the Lord lives, as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. Ittai joined the ranks of being a brother. He joined the ranks of being an ach, that strong fence and border, that dependable boundary that could be faithful forevermore. David's replied to him, go ahead, march on. So Ittai the Gittai marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. Yeah, amen. As we continue to go, I mean, did you hear what this is? You have a man like Ittai who's becoming a brother. Why? Because he wants to be. Because he presses into where the king is 
he, where he is, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. Because of his intensity, he presses in and becomes a general. A leader over a third of the armies later on for King David. This is a mighty man that should be honored. And what we find out is he was from the wrong group, from the wrong place, at the wrong time, on the wrong day. And he still became a part of the band of brothers. Come on now, what about you? You got any excuses left that I didn't hit? I'll try it again. I'll go again. I'm learning how to do this, man. I'll try it again if you got any excuses left. Whatever excuses you have internally, why don't you just press in and become part of the band? In 2 Kings 7, there's a story. We won't even turn there. It's about four lepers. And they decide, you know what? We're about to die. We're either going to die from hunger or we're going to die. Look, we might as well go in and try to see if we can go into the enemy's camp and, and find a victory somewhere. You know what? If we die, let's at least die like brothers. Amen. Let's go find an adventure together. Amen. You know what they find? They go into the camp and they find that the Lord had routed the army. Now, the scripture is kind of funny right here. It tells you why they left. The Lord had caused fear to break out in the camp and they all turned and they all ran. But the lepers don't know that. The scripture shows it like, you know, like there's just it's scrolling across the screen to tell them what happened. They walked in to an empty city full of plunder. I'm kind of hungry, guys. They feasted. They, re- they were the first to receive spoils. The rest of the body of Christ got to catch up to these four brother lepers who decided that it was worth the adventure. It was worth the adventure. Wow. It's worth the adventure to be here. Amen. It's worth the adventure to do more than just sit here on a Sunday and listen. It's worth the adventure yeah. to come. If you're going to die anyway, if you're going to die at some point, you might as well go make your life worth living. <laughs> you might as well do this anyway. As we get ready to, to begin our close, I want everybody to turn to Matthew chapter 3. When I hear those four lepers, I'm reminded of the, the four men who were good enough brothers to one crippled man to tear the roof off. To lower someone else who needed it. Come on, that's the kind of brother I want to be. Yeah. And that's the kind of brother I need you to be to me. Amen. If I'm too weak and too sick to even take care of myself, I need people around me who will go, we'll do anything necessary for you because you're our brother. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13 says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. Wow, anybody ever felt like that with a request? You want me to do something? Wait, 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 wait. This is backwards. This is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Hey, uh, I need you to baptize me. Did Jesus need anything? Apparently he did. John's like, look, look, you got this. With all due deference to you, mighty king, uh, I should be being baptized by you. It's not that he's wrong. It's not that he has the wrong perspective. He's completely right. Except that he's not. (laughs) Verse 15. Jesus replied, let it be so now. Somebody say now. 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 On a day like today, now should mean something special to you. With the words that God is giving this church, the word now should mean something to you. When should you respond? When should you become a part of the band of brothers? The Lord is saying now to this church. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Mm. Wow. Then John realized, oh, this is not about strengths and weaknesses. 
This is about fulfilling something for righteousness sake. You guys know that John and Jesus were cousins? <laughs> so what could have happened is that whenever Jesus asked John to baptize him, Jesus could have replied, because you're my cousin. That's why. <laughs> That's what cousins do for each other. They baptize each other. Instead, it was for a heavenly standard of righteousness. Come on, there many people in this church are interrelated. The way that this church was built was usually through close friendships or familial friendships. But those relationships do not take precedence over the brotherhood that is established through adversity. John and Jesus were cousins by birth, but they were brothers for the purpose of adversity. Six months later after this, John would give his own life because of his brotherhood with Jesus. Three and a half years later, Jesus would give his own life because of the brotherhood that is established by him and through him for all of us. In addition to that, it's not about our own personal strengths and weaknesses, but it's about fulfilling the righteous standard of meeting God's desire for us to join as a band of brothers. Yeah, at LCM, obviously, we're choosing to operate as a band of brothers, not a cult of conspirators. We're a band of brothers. Joey, would you show the slide for us here? Uh, this was in our end of the year um, video that we did, which is on YouTube. It's on our sermons. If you missed it at New Year's Eve, you're welcome to go back and watch it. I encourage you to go back and watch it. Yeah. One of the unique things that we found while we were crunching numbers We had 103 services in this building last year, 52 weeks, two services, minus the one that we were at the Arising Church for the One Association Conference. We had 33 unique speakers in our pulpit. We had 40 different combinations of speakers. Nick and Peyton, Nick and Judah, Judah by himself, Eric Judah, so many of you here in this room. 40 different combinations of speakers. We only had 103 services. That's one a week. That's somebody different and somebody new. 30 messages taught in teams. A third of our time, we decided that it's better to be part of a band of brothers than to stand solo on this stage. I don't know how we can, we are working to figure out ways to do it more to show you that band of brothers is where we need to be. And it's already what we are and we're inviting you to be a part of it. Amen. We had 30, 40 sermons, wow, 40 sermons delivered by the body that included no pastor on the stage. Yeah, but you guys are a cult. We're doing a really bad job at being a cult if we're doing that. (laughs) What people find cultish is that we're so willing to die for each other that it seems abnormal. We think that we're the normal ones. Because the scripture shows us to be this way and everyone else around us, they can be grumbling and murmuring all they want. But we think we're the normal ones for the kingdom that we represent. Amen. We think that we're the least that you can be and be in the kingdom. Yeah. Turn with us as we begin, get ready to close to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll look at verse 39 and 40. Now, Pastor, I must say, none of this was planned, but I just so happen to be wearing one of my favorite T-shirts. This is exactly what you're saying. Get it. Get it. Cult leader. 
<laughs> Hebrews 11:39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What we see here is that even the heroes of the faith, those from the house of heroes, need brothers in order to reach that point of being complete and in perfection. Yeah, amen. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, our last verse for today. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17. It says this, show proper respect to everyone. Love. Somebody say love. 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 Love the brotherhood of believers. Amen. Amen. Fear God and honor the king. Are you at a point in your life where you can say that you love this brotherhood of believers that we have here? Yes. This is something that is so precious. I feel like we have some things that we need to get right. We've laughed today. We've gone through some, some scripture together. We've laid out our hearts to you. Brothers are always built to demonstrate faithfulness. They are born for the reason. The reason that they are born is to help you with your adversity. And likewise you to help others. We need to unify today to crush the enemy. We have far too much accomplished to have little pockets of people here in this building that claim to be brothers but aren't carrying any weight. That claim to be part of the band of brothers but have their own, well, I kind of like what they say, but there are these things. They're just not. Yeah, you get to see it because we're living like a brother with you. We're not hiding anything from you. You know our strengths. You know our weaknesses. But that's what part of being a family is. Is your life totally set on the glory of God? I mean now. Or do you have other pursuits that keep blinding you? That keep distracting you? You do good. The Lord speaks to you and you seem to do good for a few weeks. And then it's a few months that go by before you realize... Geez, what did I do with that thing that God told me again? The thing that I declared was the most important thing in the world, but I've let it die away in a matter of weeks or days? How is that not you living for your own glory? You don't even remember the glory that the Lord gave you and shared with you. Are you sharing in the suffering of others? Or do you find yourself retracting every time that something really, really heavy, really, really difficult is coming? You know, I want to pray for you guys, but that's just a little bit intense. I'm going to be quiet and see if I can fade into the background. How's your holiness today within? Holiness in your thoughts. Holiness in your actions. If the Lord has already spoken it to us today. There are some people here who think you're further along than you are. And the Lord is trying to help you so that you can now enter rightly the brotherhood of believers that's here. We and he wants you to be a part. That's why he tells us what he does. Are you loyal to the family of God? But I don't just mean the global family of God. I mean the family of God that he has put you within. 
See, it's far too easy to say I'm, I'm loyal to the global family because it requires no accountability on you. Are you loyal here? Are you loyal with your giving? Are you loyal with your time? Are you loyal with your prayer? Do you have an unashamed love for this congregation? Unashamed. Completely unashamed. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet in just a minute. To accomplish what God has for us, we must be a band of brothers. Would you stand to your feet with me? Joy, I think the second slide was those four qualities from Hebrews 2. While you're staring at this list, glory for God. Isn't that what every believer should want? Yes. Shared suffering. Is there a believer in the room that hopes to escape that? Holiness within. Family loyalty. Unashamed love. These things that you aspire to as individuals are the things that draw people to your character and want to become brothers with you. Whatever prevents this in your life, whatever is hindering it, should be put to death today. If you have that lingering feeling sometimes that you want to be a part, but um, you're just not sure that you're wanted, you're not sure they didn't reach out, you settle these issues and you won't even have to deal with that thought. Go for glory for the king. Look for a way to participate in the sufferings of others who are serving Christ. Burn with holiness within. Have a loyalty to the family of God. And listen to that word, unashamed. Jesus Christ said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. If we are your family then you don't have to warn people about what we're like before they meet us. Don't have to describe us as one of those kind of churches. If somebody loves you, why wouldn't they love us? We're your brothers. I want to tell you, I haven't ever been ashamed of the sheep in this congregation, ever, not one time. And some of the sheep have done some pretty shameful things. I stand up and claim you as ours boldly before the whole world and would fight for any one of you. We're building something here. And I really think that those five things are something that ought to be written for you. We're going to pray. And I'm going to suggest that you ask the Lord to help you focus your life on that. On moving day, you want those qualities in everybody else. But how many moving days have you been to? See, this might be time to adjust your expectations of yourself. Father, we give you this time here and now. We say that we desire to be brothers 
that you are not ashamed to call brothers. Lord, let us be of the same quality as you are. Let us be of the same merit as you are. Let us be of the same actions that you are. Lord, we say let your correction be upon us now. And your encouragement to move on from that correction into things that you are pleased with. We love you. We honor you. Lord, we get before you this very moment and say, have your way in us. Have your way right now.